Keeping it real with Jared Lawrence. different today we are opening up on a, a, a quite somber tone uh, i want to say happy mother's day to all the mothers out there i'm gonna talk about that a little later but i wanted to start this episode by saying rest in peace to ahmaud arbery i know everybody's probably familiar with the story by now uh, i want to go into detail about it i want to kind of break it break the whole thing down and i thought there was no better way to start then with that song, The Day After by Goody Mob, um, in my opinion, it's it's fitting. If you listen to the lyrics, it describes a lot of what's going on. But uh, most importantly, uh, just just saying, you know, we're finally free. You know, I guess once you die, you're finally free. And that's pretty, pretty true in this world, man, with a lot of the stuff we deal with on a on a day to day basis. A lot of the stuff we go through, a lot of the things we see. So. Thought it was fitting to start the, the show with that. Uh, switched up my, my topics on how I was going to do things today, too. So I was going to start with uh, Mother's Day and talking about all that. But I think I want to I want to get right into the Ahmaud Arbery case. Um, I know a lot of people have been reading up on it. You've, you've probably seen it all over your social media with uh, people debating both sides. Some people, I think the majority of what I've seen, the majority has been people on the side that what was done was wrong and that justice needs to be had. I've, I've seen a few try to try to make argument for the other side, but I think, I think if people are believing that those two men were right in what they did, they're not really speaking up on it. I think this is one of those where if you speak up, 
you're probably going to get attacked because there's not many people sympathizing with the, the McMichaels and what they did. Now, for those who don't know the story, what happened was uh, this happened back in February, February 23rd of 2020 in Brunswick, Georgia, which for me is a very, it, it kind of hit home a little bit because I used to travel a lot for work. I know I've talked about that many times and I, I tell you guys stories of different places I've been to. Um, talked about Hawaii last week, but also Brunswick. Brunswick is a city that I've been to many, many, many times. Uh, it's in Glynn County, Georgia. It's right off I-95. Have about They have three exits, three or four exits that go through there. Exit 29, 36, I believe 38, and maybe 42. I'm not sure if 42 is their exit or not, but definitely three exits that go through there. So it's just to give you an idea of where Brunswick is on the map. You know, you have your mile markers when you enter uh, a state on the highway. So it starts at one and then it kind of counts up to when you get to the end of the state and then it starts over at the next state. So exit 29 was the exit of where this happened, which is only 20 mi 29 miles into Georgia for those of you who are not really sure how it works. So I've, I've been there many times. I've gotten off at that exit. Um, there's a travel plaza to the left. If you get off on exit 29 going north, there's a, there's a waffle house over there. I think um, there's a, what is it? The pilot, one of those gas stations. There's two of them on each side of the street. I usually stopped at the Dunkin' Donuts over there. Um, always got me a latte when I was either heading home or on my way up there. So very familiar with it. I've driven the other way too, uh, near the Satilia Drive where where this happens. I didn't go in that neighborhood before, but I've been on the street, uh, the street that takes you there. So I know that area very well. I've known the city well. It's kind of like most of these South Georgia cities where uh, a little segregated, you know, you got the black people that are kind of on one side of the city and then you got the, the white people on another side and you don't really see too much interaction between both races. It's kind of like, you know, the black people do their thing, the white people do their thing. Uh, just from the nights I've spent out there, I've gone and gotten food out there many times, just driven around, mapped it out. So I feel like I know Brunswick well enough to speak on it, at least, you know, it's somewhere I've been. So what happened was on February 23rd, this young man, Ahmad Arbery, was uh, going for a jog. And this is key, too. There, there, there are witnesses who say they have regularly seen him jogging in the neighborhood of Satilia Shores. So it wasn't like a one-time thing where they're like, who is this mysterious man? Maybe to the McMichaels he was mysterious. Actually, no, he wasn't. We'll get into that part a little later, too. But, um, yeah, he was going for a jog, and then I guess he went into a, a house that was under construction, went in there, looked around. Um, there's video footage of him in the house. They say he was in there for three minutes. The, the footage that they show only shows him in there for about 15 seconds. And from what I understand, the reason they, that the footage is so short is because he spent most of the time in the back of the house or on the outside of the house or around the perimeter of it. So the inside doesn't show him in there long. It's a quick 15 second video, at least what was released today. I'm sure maybe if there, if he was in there longer, I'm sure the video will be released later of that. But what we saw was him in there for 15 seconds, just kind of looking around, wandering around. He didn't pick up anything. Uh, didn't, didn't grab anything. Didn't steal anything from the house and from what we saw in the video. And then there's another video that shows, uh, I guess a neighbor's doorbell camera from outside 
but it shows directly across the street to this house, the house that's under construction. So from that one, you can see him go in the house. You don't see him for a while. You see him about, like I said, three or four minutes later where he comes out. And apparently the reason, well, I don't know if it's the reason he came out, but there's a guy that comes up, one of the neighbors that comes up. And I guess it appears that he says something, maybe, you know, get out of that house. What are you doing? You're trespassing, whatever. So at that moment, uh, Ahmad Arbery leaves the house and then continues on the jog, which at this point to me, it still seems like normal. It doesn't seem like anything out of the ordinary. I've gone into many uh, houses under construction, especially as a kid. I know we've all probably done it as kids, just sneaking around and seeing what's inside and just feeling like, oh, you know, this is a place we can hide and do whatever we want. So that's not out of the ordinary. He does that, and then he goes back for the jog. So I guess at this point, the neighbor who saw him uh, calls the police because, you know, black man in your neighborhood is pretty scary to some people. Uh, we talked about this last week where I said I don't even like jogging in my neighborhood because how, how scary I might look to some. So it was one of those instances where they thought he was – you know, intimidating looking, or maybe they thought he was up to no good in the house. Who knows? But they called the police. They say, uh, the police actually asked, are they breaking into the house? And the guy was like, no, it's under construction. He just went inside. So they're kind of like, um, okay, I guess we'll send somebody. So they send the, they said, we're going to send the police to go look at it. And then, um, while this is all going on, he jogs past the McMichael's house, uh, Gregory and Travis McMichael. And then they see him and they, this is their story. They claim that they had recognized him before from past break-ins in the neighborhood. So uh, the father runs in the house. The father was Gregory McMichael. He runs in, tells his son, Travis McMichael to get ready. Uh, they get their guns, they get armed. And then they run out to the truck to try to follow Ahmad Arbery. So, they get in the truck. They start driving. And this is where the story kind of gets a little um, complicated because they're driving and then they corner him off. And then at some point, another a third person comes into the picture. His name is William Bryan. William Bryan is in the car behind these guys where they're kind of ahead trying to chase our, um, Arbery down. William Bryan's in the car behind them, behind um, Ahmad Arbery, and he's filming everything on his phone or his camera, or whatever. And he captures the confrontation where Ahmad Arbery stops because he sees them kind of blocking his path. And from what you can, not what you can see, because some of it's not on camera that you can see, but from what it appears is they get out and they point the guns at him. So then he kind of runs off camera and tries to fight the guy off. And in the process of doing that, the guy with the gun, um, I believe it's Gregory McMichael shoots him. If not, you guys know the story anyway, but he gets shot in that process and then ends up getting shot again. I think two more times and he falls on the ground and he comes back in the camera and you can see that part. And I think you might see the final shot. Honestly, I did not watch the video because I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. I think I'd probably be ready to write or something if I watched it. So I didn't watch it. I read everything and from my recollection of what I read, I believe that's the way the encounter went. If it didn't, you guys can correct me on that. So after that happens, the police show up. Um, they take the statements down. These guys start claiming self-defense immediately. Um, and then also of note, uh, Gregory McMichael is a former police uh, 
police investigator, detective, lieutenant. I don't know. He's he's something where he used to be in the police department. So he uh, kind of has ties there. They know him. So, of course, once they take all their statements, they're going to believe what he says. So when they do that, they pretty much let him go. And this this is kind of where the, where it starts, you know, starts getting a little tricky, a little interesting. Because this happened, like I said, in February, on um, February 23rd, two and a half months ago. I actually heard about this story. Man, it might have been a few weeks, maybe a month ago, but I remember reading about it and I kind of I didn't dismiss it. But when I first read it, I the way it was framed was, you know, they a black man was shot. Um, the, the white guys who shot him said they were defending themselves. They were attacked. So when I read it, I was, you know, I was like, OK, I don't really have a way to to argue this one on on his case. So I didn't really think much of it. Uh, it's sad that, you know, that's what it comes to. But in this day and age, you got to have like concrete proof to even get some justice out here. So the way it was first framed, we didn't have the video. We didn't have any of that. So it was kind of just said like he was the aggressor. He came at them and they were justified in shooting him. So fast forward two months later, I believe May 8th or it was May 6th. One of those days, the video was finally released to the public because uh, this is where the third guy, William Bryan, comes into play. He gave the video, or he, apparently he was showing it to a lot of his friends and stuff, but he showed it to a lawyer named Alan Tucker. And Alan Tucker decided to take it to a radio station to show them, which they in turn uploaded it on YouTube. And his claim was that, you know, he wanted to make sure all the facts were there and he wanted to make sure everything was out because he felt like there was a lot of false narratives. So they uploaded it to YouTube, which in my opinion made it worse for them because once everybody saw the actual video and we were able to transcribe what went on, that's kind of when the uproar and the outrage and all that started because we saw, okay, clearly it wasn't a man who was just attacking a black man. It wasn't a black man who was just attacking two white men and deserved to get shot. Clearly he was provoked. He was, you know, when somebody, when you're jogging and somebody pulls up to you in a truck with guns out, you don't even know what their intentions are. He could have been thinking he's about to get robbed. He didn't, he could have think, oh, I'm about to get shot. So of course your first inkling or your first thought is going to be to fight back. And that's what he did. And that's how he ended up getting shot. Now they're going to call, they're going to claim stay on your ground, which it might work. It might not. It's worked in Florida with the, the Trayvon Martin case, which we'll get into in a little bit when we, def, uh, just when we talk about the similarities in these, both of these, but back to the William Bryan guy. So he thought he was doing a good job, I guess, in clearing everybody by getting the tape out, which only made matters worse for him and his, his friends or quote unquote friends. Cause they claim they don't even know him or they said he's not. He says he's not a part of it, which, man, there's so much to break down in this case. But I'm just trying to uh, give you guys the, the basis on how everything happened in the beginning. So after that, no charges are fired or filed. And then once this comes out, of course, there's outrage, there's uproar, there's protests. You know, shit hit the fan. People were mad. We have to find out what happened. So come to find out there, a lot of digging is done. And they just announced today that we're on our fourth county, fourth district attorney, um, because, well, I think it's the third district attorney, fourth person who's gotten the case because there's been so much corruption in this county, in Glynn County. Like I said, Gregory McMichael is a former police uh, agent, 
investigator. So he had a lot of connections. And if the two district account, uh, attorneys before that, they knew him, so they had to recuse themselves. So now they just announced today that Cobb County District Attorney uh, Joyette M. Holmes is taking over the case from Prosecutor Tom Durden, who was uh, who the state attorney general said asked to be replaced by a prosecutor with a large staff as this case has grown in size and magnitude. Holmes is based in the Atlanta metro area, and uh, it's 300 miles from coastal Georgia community in Glynn County. So maybe it helps to get something out outside of the county where we have different people watching it and not people that are so tied to the people in that county. Because like I said, they had three three other people. It started out with District Attorney Jackie Johnson, who had to recuse herself because she knew McMichael and had worked with him. Then it went to a prosecutor named uh, George Barnhill. No, the prosecutor appointed District Attorney George Barnhill, and he was from the Waycross, which is not too far, um, not too far from from Brunswick. It's still South Georgia. Waycross is a little further west in, but still south. So he had to step aside because of his son works for Johnson as an assistant prosecutor and Johnson worked with uh, Gregory McMichael. So then Durden got the case and then Durden had to step aside because, you know, he probably, he claims he didn't have the staff to handle it. So hopefully uh Joyette M. Holmes will get something done, man. But let's, let's talk about, let's talk about some of the discrepancies that I've mentioned before. Oh, also, they were arrested. Travis and um, George McMichael were arrested last Friday. This was like breaking news all over social media last Friday because the 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 Glynn County, uh, I think I don't know if it's the prosecutors or whatever, but they gave they ended up giving the case to the Georgia uh, Bureau of Ele- Investigations, which is known as the GBI. So they gave it to the GBI, and it's crazy because the GBI in one day literally was able to look at all the the facts that had been out including the videos of Ahmad Arbery in the, in the vacant house, in the house that was under construction. They were able to look at all of that. They would look at the video that, uh, what's his name? Wayne, uh, Brian, you know, William Brian that he provided, which that's another thing. That video just came out last week. They had that video since February 23rd. So it kind of makes you think, what was the prosecution thinking? What was the, the Glynn County police office thinking not to even discuss the video, tell us there was a video and use it in their investigation and just say this guy, these two guys were innocent without even looking at, or maybe they did look at it and just didn't think that video was enough. But then the GBI looks at it and the GBI says, we have more than enough evidence to, to arrest and charge these guys. And they were charged with murder. They were charged with murder, um, attempted assault and something else. And in Georgia, I found this out, too. In Georgia, they don't have first-degree murder. They don't have second-degree murder. It's just a murder charge. So they were charged with all of that. And this is this is another thing I want to kind of talk to people about because everybody, the argument you're going to hear from the other side is that these guys were right when what they did because they were making a citizen's arrest. That's their claim. They, were, they saw something going on, and they have a right. Um, Georgia law gives you the right to make a citizen's arrest. So... I want to kind of break that part down for you guys real quick because I don't think everybody knows what a citizen's arrest means. So according to uh, former former Fulton County prosecutor Manny Aurora, 
who reviewed the video, and he's pretty familiar with the laws in Georgia because a lot of us don't know all this stuff, so we're learning on the fly. So he said at most it might um, – well, no, he said entering a construction site is not necessarily a crime. At most, it may be a misdemeanor. At most, it's a misdemeanor. And he said the Georgia law allows for a citizen's arrest in a felony crime. So that's important to know, a felony. You have to see them committing a felony in one's presence. And uh, a citizen can only use reasonable force to detain a person, and deadly force cannot be used unless it's to prevent forcible uh, felony or self-defense. So you got to see them committing the felony. Then you can't use like force to arrest them. So it's kind of tricky, man, to do this citizen's arrest. Um, He said since the McMichaels initiated the confrontation with the weapons, it will be difficult for them to claim self-defense and what appears to be and what appears on the security video doesn't justify their actions. So he's saying when you see him going into the house, it's not going to justify them using these weapons because the security footage shows him doing at most a misdemeanor. You're in a neighborhood, you're walking in a house. It's not really a crime to walk in a house under construction, but you know, if they want to go to the police, the owner of the house wants to go to the police, he can say that you, you know, you were trespassing. So at worst, it's a misdemeanor, which the owner of the house, um, I forgot his name. I just talked about it earlier today. But the owner of the house, he's on record. They, the, um, he was interviewed over the weekend, and he's on record as saying nothing was stolen from the house. Uh, there was no burglaries committed, nothing, no crimes uh, taking place. So he's kind of ref- uh, disputing the story that the McMichaels have given that, yeah, there was a burglary. We saw uh, recent burglaries. So basically there weren't any burglaries going on, um, going on in the house. And his, the owner of that home, his name is Larry English. He's an older gentleman. Apparently, actually, he's not that old, but he's, he's older, and his health isn't good. So he was building this house in Brunswick and stopped because he got sick, and that's why it was partially finished, and that's why they said, that, you know, that house had been under construction for a while just sitting there, and maybe Ahmad Arbery knew that, and maybe he just wanted to go and look around. We don't know what his intentions were, but we do know that, so far with the evidence we've presented, he did not commit a crime. He did not definitely didn't commit a felony at worst, a misdemeanor, but most people, you know, those charges would probably even be dropped if Larry English even decided to pursue him, which is another thing. The McMichaels are trying to do police work for a house. That's not even theirs. They didn't talk to this guy about it. He said he didn't even know the McMichaels. So you're, you're saying a crime's been committed when, Nobody else has said that. The owner of the house hasn't said it. Nobody has said it. You've, you've gone on your own, which, of course, because he used to work with law enforcement, he probably thought he can do this on his own. And he went and did, you know, committed a murder that we saw on TV, or not TV, but on video. So that's important to know for when people try to argue this, because you will probably get some people who try to argue. I was on Facebook earlier, and, you know, you got some people telling you, oh, he deserved it because he was in the house. No. What? What in that house constitutes you doing a citizen's arrest? Because it's not a felony. So when people try to tell you that, just let them know he did not commit a crime that would warrant that. So moving on, William Bryan, which is the third guy, he said he didn't know them, right? I told you I was going to get back to that. William Bryan claims, no, he didn't say he didn't know him, but he said he wasn't a part of this. He said he was just filming it, doing his like, you know, citizen's duty or whatever. I don't know what the argument was. But in the police report, 
uh, Greg Gregory McMichael says that he mentions him by name, William Bryan, which he's known by Rob as Robbie. So he says Robbie was back there. And then I've also read something where this new theory now is that not only was William Bryan driving in the car behind to film, but they're saying he was kind of acting as the barrier to make sure um, Ahmaud Arbery couldn't turn around and run the other way. And some people claim that he did turn around, try to run the other way, and only stopped when he saw William Bryan in the car. And there's there's been rumors that you can hear his gun cock in the in the video. I guess I didn't watch the video. I'm not a gun expert, so I probably wouldn't even be able to tell you if that was actually his gun or not. But I'm sure when the GBI gets all of the information, they will probably be, be able to determine if William Bryan had a gun in his car and if it was cocked. And if... I don't, I mean, you can't prove if he planned to use it, but I think if he had it in the car and where it was placed, that might give us a little bit more information on the case. And maybe, maybe that can help us solve it or put these guys in jail. Cause I think he needs to be arrested too. That's another uproar that's been going on because he's still free. William Bryan, they're acting like he had nothing to do with it. But uh, GBI said that we might see more arrests coming. So keep an eye out on how this turns out with him. I also want to talk about the police department over there in Glynn County. I think there's some corruption going on in that police department. Um, like I said, you had the two DAs that had to uh, recuse themselves. You had the other lady who had to step down or other person. In total, you had three people, which was Tom Durden. That was the last one. I'm sorry. He stepped down, too. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there's some corruption going on over there. I think they need to be investigated. I think they will be investigated, and I think we will see some some punishment there. I think some people probably need to be fired. I know their uh, police chief recently just went to jail for, for doing some shady stuff. So definitely need to look into the Glynn County Police Department because they cannot be trusted, man. And the way they bundled this case just shows you. Like I said, this happened in February, February 23rd. We're just now getting an arrest because they didn't think an arrest was necessary. Um, I see a lot of similarities in this, in the, in the Trayvon Martin case too, man. Uh, they both happened in February. Ahmaud Arbery was killed on February 23rd, 2020. Trayvon Martin was murdered by uh, George Zimmerman, February 26, 2012. So similarities there. Situations kind of similar where both of them were walking in neighborhoods where the person who killed them, the murderer claimed that they look suspicious and, you know, they were following them because they thought they committed robberies or they were break-ins recently. So similarities there. And then we also kind of, it's the video footage with the Trayvon Martin. We didn't have real, real good video footage. I, I think the most we saw in that was a camera, but it was so dark. You couldn't see anything. So all we could hear was screaming. And then, you know, you had Trayvon Martin's parents saying that was their son. You had Zimmerman's parents saying that was him. So, it was hard to make out who was who, even though everybody will come to their own conclusions on what they think. But yeah, with that video footage and then in this case with the footage, um, it's it's a little more uh, clear on this one. Although Ahmaud Arbery does go off camera a little bit to, to fight with, uh, I believe, Travis McMichael. And then he punches him or whatever. And I think Greg is Gregory McMichael is the one who shoots him from the truck. Uh, so... I think Travis, I don't know, man. Like I said, I didn't watch the video, but I know there's parts of the video where it's off camera and that that might cause a little bit of a problem when it goes to trial. Um, 
they're going to try to, you know, once, once, whatever's not on camera, they're going to claim the other. They're going to say, all right, he was instigating, he initiated. So I hope that doesn't play a big role into it, but it might. So I just want to prepare y'all for that. I think there's enough evidence, though, in this one so far to convict these guys of murder. Like I said, they had no reason to stop them. Um, jogging while black is not a crime. Looking in a house is not a crime. Walking in a house that's not done is not a crime. So I think there's enough here. I think there's enough. Uh, the mysterious home break-ins that the McMichaels claimed was the reason for them doing the, uh, doing the, the citizen's arrest. I want to talk about that real quick because according to police records, there were no break-ins around this time. Nobody reported their houses being broken into. Uh, like I said, the other dude, I, I forgot his name already, but the homeowner said that no houses were broken, that his house wasn't broken into. So you, it kind of gives you a, a pause, man, concern for pause, pause for concern, because you're wondering, what are these mysterious break-ins that they're talking about? Now, the only break-in that was reported was on January 1st, 2020. And surprise, surprise, that was the McMichaels truck that was, they, they say it was broken into. Um, if you read the, the, the article, they left it unlocked, which you're dumb. They left it unlocked and a handgun was stolen. So that's the only breaking of notes, an unlocked car that somebody just came and opened the door. Didn't have to do much work. Opened the door. Surprise, surprise. There was a gun sitting there. So they took the gun. They're trying to blame that on Ahmaud Arbery, which we don't know if he did that. There's no evidence linking him to that. Who knows if the gun was just misplaced and they thought it was a break. And who knows? Like, it could be any of these things. But that's the only thing on record to this point that would even list, that would even give them reason to follow somebody. And I don't think that's enough reason. Do you guys think that's enough reason? Because I don't. So, going to keep an eye on this case, man. It's probably going to be the topic of conversation for a long time. The police department, I want to see what the investigation is with them. Like I said, there needs to be some arrest there. Um, people need to be held accountable. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that this sister is now in charge. I'm glad. What's her name again? <laughs> I forgot her name already. Holmes. I'm glad Holmes is now in charge. Hopefully we can get uh, some justice for this young man. And well, like I said, we're going to all keep an eye on this, man. This is going to be the topic of conversation probably for the next few months because there's not a lot going on. Uh, District Attorney Joy at Holmes, I, I'm sorry for getting that wrong in the beginning, but I'm glad she's in charge, which is an African-American district attorney for those who don't know. So that does, I think, give a good chance that we will get some type of justice, but like, it's still got to go to trial. It still has to go through a jury. Um, we saw in the Trayvon Martin case, it was not, it wasn't a, a, a slam dunk, man. It went to, it went to trial and they were able to prove George Zimmerman not guilty, even though we all think he was guilty. The court of public opinion thinks he's guilty. So prayers, man, prayers for the Arbery family, prayers for, uh, everybody, man, everybody involved. Uh, well, not everybody. Well, I guess to be a good Christian, you got to pray for everybody. So I'll pray for um, the McMichaels family members. I know this is probably going to be hard for them losing 
with possibly losing their their family for a long time. So prayers for them to try to get through this. Not for the people who who murdered him, of course, but for the for the extended family and the, uh, the people who had nothing to do with this. Prayers for you guys, and hopefully we will see justice. Uh. Oh, I want to compare this to another recent case, too. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Sean Reed case. That's been in the news, too. It didn't get as much attention as the uh, Ahmaud Arbery. To me, this one is not as as cut and dry. Um, I've read about it. I, I've seen people comparing them both. I'm not sure I'm ready to go there. I'm not sure I'm ready to compare them both. So in the Sean Reed one, he was in a police chase. Uh, he had his phone on him and he was doing Facebook live during the police chase with 4,000 people watching. So from what I've read after the chase stops, he gets out the car and he has the phone either in like his waistband or his pocket and it's still recording and he's running, running from the police. And during this process, shots ring out. Um, now this is where it gets confusing because the, the police claim he fired back at them and that the officer had to shoot and kill him, which was a black officer too. Let's make sure we get that correct. So the black officer claims he used this taser. Uh, Sean Reed is a black man too. Got to make sure we get that in there. So the black officer claimed he used this taser and that, uh, I guess after using the taser, he had to pull out the gun and shoot him. And he ends up shooting Sean Reed. And this is all still going on the Facebook live when he gets shot. Uh, I'm not sure if the, if the camera shows everything, I don't think it does. I think this is another, I think this is why this one's going to be a little tougher because I think you only hear everything. You don't really see everything. Like I said with the Trayvon Martin one where you heard the screams, but you couldn't see it. So you hear that. And then later on in the video, a detective comes up after, you know, everything's done. And he says, looks like it's going to be a closed casket, homie. And that was very insensitive. So they've, they've apologized for that. I think he's been fired or reprimanded. Um, so I can see where people are thinking there's there's some some wrongdoing there. Definitely on the detective's part. Uh, the officer who fired the gun. I'm not ready to speak on this situation either way. I know my aunt has asked me to speak on it. And I told her I need I need a little more information on this one. Like I said, I had heard the Ahmaud Arbery one at least a month ago. And I, I hadn't spoken on it because I didn't have enough information. Um, once more information came out with the footage and I was able to read about what actually happened, I, I, I was able to speak a little bit more, um, confidently on that one. In the case of Sean Reed, the, this kind of like a, he said versus he said, like what the police were saying, he shot at them, uh, his family's adamant that he didn't shoot at them. So I want to make sure we get both sides in there, but just for somebody like me, who's trying to be neutral and trying to see both sides of it, I, if he really did shoot at the police officer, I'm not going to be able to defend that. It's, that's just impossible to defend. Now, if he didn't shoot and he's just shot in the back while he's running, yes, that's we can defend that. We can probably make an argument. Um, you can do protests. There, there's protests going on regardless, but that's, that's a little easier to defend. So I think on that one, we should just wait a little bit for more information to come out because with all these cases, man, the one thing that is consistent is that information will come out. Even in Ahmaud Arbery, like today, we got the new DA. Over the weekend, the video was released of him in the house. So I don't know why it always happens like this in these type of cases, but 
it just seems like we never get all the information in the beginning. Like we don't get it all at once. It's like the media knows what they have and it just feels like they want to give it to us slowly, maybe to extend the story and make us want to keep clicking and reading about it every day. But it just seems like we never get the information all at once. So let's see how the next week goes with the Sean Reed case. If there's new breaks, I'll, I'll talk about it on the show. But I'm going to hold off a little bit on that one. Prayers to his family, too. He was, he was a military uh, veteran. He served overseas. So you hate to see our veterans treated like that. And then it also makes you wonder, like, what? What made him do the the police chase in the first place, man? Because, you know, a lot of these military people, when they come home from overseas, a lot of them suffer from, you know, PTSD and all these different things. So I kind of wonder, man, what what was the cause of that? And it's prayers to his family because nobody wants to lose a child. And he was only, I believe, only 21. He was only 21. Uh, Maude Arbery was only 25. His birthday would have been on... Uh, his birthday was Friday, so he would have turned 26 on Friday. And in honor of his birthday, they did a, a run with mod thing, which I think is going to I'm going to make the title of this show uh, in honor of him because I want to dedicate this show to him. So they did a run with mod. He was he was murdered on February 23rd, um, 2020. So people did uh, a jog or a walk, a 2.23 mile jog or walk. Um, I didn't do it, but I I, you know, I. I saw a lot of other people participating in it on social media and posting about it. And I thought that was a really cool idea, something to honor him. Cause we know the media at this point, at some point they're going to turn and it's, we're going to start seeing the negative stuff about him come out, which I forgot to mention that too. He did have a past. He had a, a record. Um, he was charged with bringing a gun to school at a basketball game when he was in high school. And he was charged with burglary, I believe in 2000. 18 now the reason i don't really want to dwell too much on that is because i don't think that's enough to justify okay this is he deserved to get a shot i don't think you can look at stuff he did two years ago and seven years ago and say this is the reason they were doing this this time because he's he's a burglary suspect and it's kind of crazy but the uh mcmichael guy gregory mcmichael like i say he used to work for law enforcement he actually prosecuted him in the in the burglary case so this isn't the first time their paths crossed i don't know if he knew him or if he remembered him from that but it's a lot of a lot of weird things going on in this case man that's something to look into too for the gbi when they when they go over this was there past you know knowledge of him did he already have it in his mind that this guy was a burglar because of that past one which would be unfortunate if he did because Two rights don't make a wrong. Wait, no. Two wrongs don't make a right or whatever it is. I don't know. But he he obviously we don't know for a fact that the second one was him anyway, that he really burglarized it. So there's a few things to look at going forward. Um, I guess that's all I really have to say on that. I'm gonna try to keep this episode short today because I don't I don't I'm not gonna do a lot of other topics, a lot of the goofy stuff kind of wanted to keep this one a little more serious um mother's day was this past weekend which was actually yesterday sunday so i want to say happy mother's day to all the mothers out there yeah. i didn't even think i was going to use a sound effect on this episode i thought i was going to keep it very somber but 
I want to give a shout out to the mothers, man. It was Mother's Day yesterday. Uh, I saw a lot of pictures, a lot of posts where you got them post off on social media. Um, it looked like everybody had a good time. Everybody was adjusting to this new new normal of staying in the house. So I didn't really see too many people going out to eat. I think for the most part, people cooked at home and uh, some people did take out. That's what I did. I asked my mom what she wanted. I had spent the night over there um, and I said, what do you want? And she said she wanted Bahama Breeze. So I went to Bahama Breeze and got her. Um, she wanted a, a salmon pasta, which is not even on the menu. But I, I went there and I, I had to negotiate and talk to these people. And I was able to get it. I guess I had to do the jerk chicken pasta and add salmon, which, you know, a little pricey. But not complaining. It's for my mom. She deserves it. She had me. Without her, there is no Jared. So I did that for her. Um I didn't even get no food there because I'm on a budget right now. So uh, we couldn't have two $40 meals for both of us each. So I did the responsible thing and I went to Jersey Mike's and got myself a sub. Because you know what? It's not Jared Day. It's Mother's Day. So I only she needed the meal. I didn't need one. I got me a sub. I was happy with that. After that. Oh, no. Let me talk about Bahama Breeze real quick. Bruh. There is no way that this reopening 25% capacity is going to work. No way. I've been saying this for weeks. I don't think this thing can work. I don't think it's a good idea. But y'all trying to force these little restaurants to open, knowing that they can only have 25% of the people inside. So the Bahama Breeze, they can only have 30 people inside. And I go in there. I have to wait in line just to place my order because I'm trying to call them. But I can't even get through on the phone line because it's busy because everybody's calling. So I go in there. I have to, and then they're like, uh, I was talking to the dude at the at the front because he's like, oh, what are you here for? And I'm like, I'm trying to place an order. He's like, ah, oh, well, we got a limited menu. Blah, blah. He's already trying to, like, give me the runaround. He's like, oh, you know, you can do it online. I'm like, bro, I know I could do it online. I wish I could do it online. My mom wanted salmon pasta, so I got to come in and order this because you can't order a salmon pasta online. Like, you got to customize. It's a customized meal. So I'm trying to explain that to Buddy, and he was giving me a little, a little, cheddarness a little attitude with that but i was like whatever so i got back in the line because then i gotta go wait in another line to place my order and wait for a waitress to come up so i waited in this line for like 10 15 minutes just to place the order so finally i get and i'm like the first person in the line but they looked like they were so busy running around because there's outdoor people eating on the outdoor too so they did that and then they finally came and took my order and i was able to place it and the girl who took my order was super nice super sweet um, gave her like a $10 tip, which was over 20%. So it was like a $37 bill, gave her $10 tip, $47, $47 bill. So she was nice. My mom wanted to go drink too, which she was trying to get the, I think the Bahama Rita, the frozen one. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So I had to give her the Bahama Mama, which was fine. Told her no ice, got a little extra alcohol in there for her. So got that in the pasta. Actually, I didn't even get it. I placed the order. Then they're like, all right, it's going to take a while. So I went to Jersey Mike then, got my food, dropped it off at my mom's house, went back to Bahama Breeze, waited probably another 10 minutes. Um, they brought my food out to me, which was pretty cool because I didn't have to go back and wait in that long line. But, man, I'm going to tell you, I saw so much frustration in that restaurant where people were just yelling and kind of the, the, the customers, man. The customers were not happy, man. They were not happy about the waiting. Um they didn't, they didn't want to, they weren't really 
understanding of what the what the servers were going through and the servers weren't really understanding of what the customers were going through. It was just a mess in there, man. You could see it was about to pop off. And I just told myself, I even told the girl who took my order, I said, look, if it wasn't Mother's Day, I would be at home cooking because I have no desire to be in here with these crowds of people that are going to be acting like ungrateful and crazy and stuff. So I'm probably not going back to any of these restaurants unless it's something I can get in and out, like my little Chinese restaurant, I get my Chinese food and I'm in and out quick. Other than that, bro, you might not see me at a restaurant for the rest of this year. For the rest of this year, I think I'm done. I think it's to go only for me. And like I said, I only go to restaurants like once a week anyway. Because I like to cook at home. I'm trying to save money. So I cook at home for the most part. And then I'll hit the restaurant maybe as a treat to myself. I get it to go order. But sitting down, hell no, I ain't doing this 25% capacity. You will not catch me sitting at a restaurant for the rest of this year. I promise that. I'm not dealing with it. And I don't see how these restaurants are going to be able to survive. Because there's no way they're making nearly enough money sitting 30 people in this dang Bahama Breeze to pay all these servers, these cooks, the, the food costs, and all this stuff, man. There's just no way they're making enough to justify this 25% capacity. So it's going to be interesting to see if we move on to a 50% capacity, um, if we move up to 100% at some point in the rest of this year. I don't think so. I think, I think the best we'll get the rest of this year is 50%. I don't think we're getting 100 for the rest of this year, man. And I think Americans are going to have to learn to live with that. I think you guys got to be patient. I think you got to learn to cook at home. Uh, you don't really need the restaurant. I think if, what this has taught me is we don't really need to eat out. But we'll see how it goes, man. Like I said, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Uh, I ended up watching church with my mom on TV, too. Wow. I attempted my mom wakes up at like super early. I woke up at like nine because I was going to try to let her watch church on the big TV because she doesn't really know how to work all this technology. So I was like, yo, I got the HDMI cord. I can plug it into your laptop. You can watch your service on TV. But she was like, no, I'm going to watch it on the computer. So I was like, well, we ain't watching church together at nine. I'm going back to sleep. So I went back to sleep. I ain't wake up till like 1130 because I had a long day the night before. So I got up at 1130 and she's talking about she watching another service at two. I was like, damn, it was a doubleheader. So she's like, yeah, can you hook the laptop up to the TV like you were saying for the 2 o'clock service? I'm like, all right, I guess I'll watch that service with you. So I ended up hooking everything up, and we watched the service. Um, it was some church, and I think it was some street Baptist church. It was in Alexandria, Virginia. So we watched that. I hook it up, and... His service was cool. It was a Baptist church. I want to say it was like 10th Street Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. So we started watching the service. Uh, they start with the praise and worship. Of course, the, it's empty in there, but we're watching it. And I'm realizing early on, man, I just can't watch any, any service. I can't watch any preacher. Like I told you, I like watching John Gray. Um, I can do some T.D. Jakes sometimes. But I think for me, with with the preaching, I think John Gray, man, is my favorite because he preaches kind of he preaches to me and it, he makes it very relatable. Whereas some of these preachers, if you don't go to church and I was having this discussion with one of my friends the other day, I said, if you don't go to like church and you don't go to Bible study and you don't know all of that, you're not 
you're not going to know a lot of the church talk they're doing when they're referencing the Bible every minute. Like, it's not a lot of story. It's more teachings and Bible verses. And that's not really my style. Oh, and the, the name of the church was uh, Alfred Street Baptist Church. So if anybody's ever watched them, that's what my mom wanted to watch. The Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. So it was cool. But like I said, he was more biblical where he, he quoted a lot of Bible stuff. And I don't know. I feel like I just need a little bit more relatability when I watch church on TV. So that's why I relate to John Gray because he tells stories. Uh, he makes it kind of simple, which I know the hardcore church members don't like the the, the simple teachings like that. They want to be fed. They want to they want a little bit more. They want to be challenged. But I don't know. Maybe I'm like a casual churchgoer. Maybe I just want it, you know, the the casual word. And uh, John Gray's like a former comedian, so he throws some jokes in there. He, he, he quotes the Bible sometimes, but it's not like the whole service. Like he'll tell stories and just, just makes it a little bit easier for me to digest. I think that's the best way to explain it. It's easier to digest. Some of these other preachers, it, it comes off as like calculus, man, where it's, like I said, I didn't, I didn't really read the Bible too much. Um, I had one as a kid. I lost it many times. I would get new ones, but I think the way the, the ye and thee and come to thou and all that, man. It's just hard for me to focus when they're speaking like that. And I even had the other Bible where it kind of changes the language and makes it a little more easier to read. But I just need, I need a little bit more, man. I need you to give me examples. I need you to tell me about life. So that's the kind of church I like. And it was just showing me when I watched with my mom, the differences and what we like. And I, I wasn't able to really focus. I was on my phone most of that service, but I look forward to watching some John Gray this week. Uh, even T.D. Jakes, he's he's another one where he's, he does talk a lot more like about the Bible and he's a little bit more biblical in his teaching. But I guess the way his voice is and the way he talks, is just, some people's voice can bring you in. I think that's, that's, that's another thing. There's some people who just have that commanding voice. Um, I'd like to think I have it. Uh, maybe I don't, but in my mind I do. And it's just no matter what they're saying, the voice can bring you in. And I think that's what you get with T.D. Jakes. So that's why a lot of people like him. Um, a question I was wondering, and I've, been, I've always had this question. I know it's going to cause a little bit of drama. I didn't want to cause too much drama, but I think we got to ask this. Actually, no, before we get to that, let me tell you all about my Saturday real quick. So on Saturday, I went to Orlando for Domain's nephew's graduation slash birthday party. Um, he just turned 18. So I was there chilling out all day and then they decide they want to play basketball with like the neighborhood kids, like high schoolers. So, you know me, I'm trying to go out there and show these kids. I still got it, bro. I hurt my neck in the process. I don't know how I hurt my neck. We were on the last game. We had played three games. I dominated the first game, hit the game winner. Then we had to switch the teams up because these kids thought they could beat us with their little team, but then they couldn't. So we had to give them, make the teams a little more fair. We switched it up. Then we lost the next two because I think Demain was feeding the little kids too much. He wasn't giving me the ball enough. But I, I admit, the third game, I missed a couple shots that would have won it. I missed a couple game-winner shots. Um, didn't have the Jordan clutch gene that day. But I hurt my neck. And I was telling Demain, I'm like, yo, I hurt my neck, bro. I don't know why I was out here playing. He's like, I don't know why you were out there trying to go so damn hard against these little kids. And I think that was the problem. I just thought I could play like a high school kid, and I can't run up and down and move around like that and that was a lesson learned 
So I woke up very sore the next day. I'm still sore. My neck is sore. I'm still scared to play some basketball, but I might try to get some shots up this week, but I might hurt something. So I'm going to try to give it a little bit of rest, but just, you know, a lesson to you guys. Hey, man, we get to be this age and you're washed. Just stay in your lane. Know your limits. Shoot jumpers. Don't be trying to attack the hoop too much. I was out there trying to do all that, man. So lesson learned. But like I was saying, I, I got a dis, I got a, a, a controversial topic I want to talk about. I know a lot of people are going to feel a way about this, man. But this has been years in the making. I've wanted to talk about this. All right. So Mother's Day was yesterday. We saw the mothers get mad love. Everybody's on Instagram showing off their moms. The wives are showing off presents. It just seemed like everybody was appreciated. And all I can ever think about on Mother's Day is how disrespected fathers get on Father's Day. In my mind, Father's Day is the most disrespectful holiday in the, in the country. Probably been surpassed recently. Actually, Columbus Day is getting there. Because after we found out, like, he just came and stole the land, like, we don't really care about Columbus Day anymore. So that's getting up there where we just kind of throw that holiday to the side. We'll take it, but we're not honoring him. But outside of that, Father's Day, bro. Do y'all see how the fathers get treated on Father's Day? Like, really, do you guys see how they get treated? I think the fathers, man, it's almost like it's not even a holiday. And a lot of times on the Father's Day, these guys are getting, like, some socks or some, like, trash gifts. And they have to go out on the grill and cook the food for the whole family. So I just wanted to take a moment and talk about how bad we treat the fathers on Father's Day. Now, I give my dad a card. You know, I say Happy Father's Day. I kind of do the same for both of them, my mom and my dad. I don't want either to feel like it's, it's more important because I think both holidays are equal. I guess the argument can be made that the mother birthed the child. So, yeah, Mother's Day might be a little more meaningful, more, more special. But I think the biggest problem I have with Father's Day, and this is kind of where my argument is with the whole thing. On Father's Day, and you guys know you've seen this. We've all seen it. We'll be on Facebook. We'll be on Twitter, whatever. And you'll see the, the mothers uh, saying, Happy Father's Day to me because I raised the child. I raised my son. I raised my daughter. I played the father role. And I think when I see that, that that's kind of what bugs me, man. And that, I had made a post years ago about how fathers were so disrespected on Father's Day. And the reason I say that, if you look at Mother's Day, bro, there's so many fathers out there who are single fathers who are raising kids because either they got custody through a divorce, maybe the mother passed away, whatever the situation. But we have these fathers who are going above and beyond raising kids on their own and not once not once i promise you you've never seen a father on mother's day say happy mother's day to me because i'm the mother and the father never but ask yourself how many times have you seen a mother say that on father's day you see it a lot i see a lot of mothers taking the shine away from the father and my whole argument with it is like look we're not denying that you're not the mother and the father yes you might be but it's called Father's Day, man. Like, just let them have their day. You're not actually a father. You're the mother. You might play both roles, but you're not both. You're a mother. So I just feel like 
women need to think about that, man. When it comes to Father's Day, even if you got a baby daddy that ain't ish, man, if you got a man that's not taking care of his responsibilities, just let the fathers get their day, man. Just let them get their day. Don't come in there trying to take their shine because they don't do it on Mother's Day. And if they did, they would be massacred, bro. Nobody would let a father get away with that on Mother's Day. And we all know it. You know it. I know it. Little uh, baby down the street knows it. We all know it. So that's just some food for thought for you guys, man. Um, I really want to talk more about it, but I don't want to upset people. Y'all know who you are because I'm sure I got, I got friends who have done it before. Let them have their day. Like, y'all don't even get them gifts. Y'all don't do anything of substance. I mean, some fathers are probably getting treated royally, but for the most part, Father's Day is a day, man. It's not the same shine. I see some some shout-outs on Facebook, people posting pictures with their father. But I think the more my more of the issue I have is just the disrespect. Like, we already know they're not going to get the same amount of love, but just don't disrespect them, man. Because I think, yeah, you might think you're – you're you're doing you're doing it for the the father that's absent in your child's life and you're you're you know shitting on him and making him look like an asshole for not being there but it also makes it just takes away from the other fathers man like you going on there trying to claim father's day to yourself it kind of takes the shine away from when we're celebrating these men who are doing it their thing doing uh taking care of their responsibilities and making sure their childs have what they need, man, and providing a a fatherly role, mentoring them, showing them what it takes to be a man. I don't care who you are, like what kind of mother you are. There's no way you can show a child how to be a man the same way a father can. So when it comes to Father's Day, just let them have their day, man. Let them have their day. That's all. And I'm probably going to come back on here on Father's Day and rant again because I'm going to probably see disrespect. I think it's gotten to the point, too, where I don't even log on Facebook or social media on Father's Day. I think I just take a break that day because I know I'm going to get infuriated. Uh, I just know, man. I know the minute I log on, I'm going to see something that kind of pisses me off. So it's such a losing battle. I think I just say, yo, y'all got it, man. Y'all got it. Like, what, what did Joe Budden say? You might have lost me, but y'all win. That's kind of how I feel. That's how I feel on Father's Day, man. And I'm not even a father. <laughs> Maybe one day I will be, but just want to let y'all know, man. Give them dudes their love. And maybe even this year, go out of your way to show them some love. Like, go out of your way to text all the dudes you know who are fathers, man. Let them know they're doing a good job. And if you, you're a single mother, just sit this one out, man. Sit it out. You had Mother's Day. It's like a 20-point lead. It's like a 40-point lead. You're in the fourth quarter. Sit it out. Put the ice packs on your knees. Just relax. And don't tell your kids that either, man. Don't tell the kids that you're the father too. Like, just just let them know, believe that you're their mother, man. But don't let them grow up having this same resentment towards all these men and disrespecting the holiday. That's all I ask for. And I'm sure there's a lot of dudes at home right now that feel me, man. Maybe even a few of y'all women feel me on this. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I promised y'all on the last episode that I was going to, the previous episode, I promised you guys I was going to review the tiramisu Oreos. So I finally ate them. Uh, they're pretty good. They are really good. Yeah. So good that they deserve the bomb. 
They are all right. I'm gonna give it to you straight. I'm a straight shooter. They are not red velvet Oreo good, but really, what is? What is? Nothing is on the level of the red velvet Oreo. So they're not red velvet good. They are the tier below, bro. They're tier two. Tier two. So if you guys are like me and you're struggling to find the red velvets, these will suffice until we get the red velvets back. I'm still tweeting at Oreo. I'm still asking them where the red velvets are coming back. They haven't responded to me. So until we get the red velvets back, the t- t- Tierra Masu will do. I did mean to rhyme that. I did mean. So everybody check it out. Um, it, all right. So the only reason, the only, the only issue I really have with them, and maybe I had a bad batch. They seem a little too crunchy on the cookie part. The cookie part was a little too too rough around the edges, a little too hard. I feel like when I bite into the, the red velvet Oreo, it's a little smoother bite, uh, a little a little easier to chew. These Tierra Masu ones seem like they're a little tougher on the, on the first bite. Now, once you get that first bite in and you, you know, chomping a little bit, it's, it's fine. But the initial bite is a little tough. But I'm going to get another bag this week, and I'm going to see if I have that same problem because it could have just been that one. Maybe it was a little too fresh. I don't know. Maybe when I get the red velvets, they're not fresh, and that's why it's a little softer on the bite. But other than that, they're pretty comparable. I do think they're a little too chocolatey on the cookie part. I think that's because I've been spoiled with the red velvet, where it has that red velvet taste on the outside. So that does make a difference. The red velvet outer cookie makes a difference as opposed to the chocolate. Now, where the tiramisu really holds its own is the cream. Pause. The cream is what makes this cookie amazing. It's like a vanilla cream with the brown cream. I don't know what that brown cream is. It's like the tiara. It's the tiara, and the white is the masu. I don't know. But you got both of those together. So you're getting two creams in your cookie. Pause. I know y'all are pausing me at home, so pause. But you're getting two of them, a little bit each. Not overwhelming in the cream department. Where the red velvet, I think you get a little bit more cream overall. With the Tierra Masu, I think because they're putting two creams together, it's not quite as much cream. I think they could go a little bit more on the cream. But the cream is amazing. It's amazing. Combining that with the chocolate, it makes it for a very enjoyable uh, late night snack. I was watch. I was eating it last week while I was watching the TV show All American. Now let me tell you about All American. We're gonna come back on. I'm gonna come back on at some point this week, and I am gonna break down All American because I somebody had uh, recommended it to me. Shout out to Jacqueline. She recommended to me to watch All American like three weeks ago, and I just randomly I went and did it because I was like, all right, let me see what it's about, and I was hooked, and I binged it for like three weeks. I was watching like two to three episodes a night. So that and eating my uh, red velvets, and then I had to switch to the Tierra Masseuse, man. But those are some great memories in my life. Watching All-American, eating those cookies, drinking some orange juice when I was finished. But we're going to break down All-American probably sometime this week. I'm going to call my cousin um, Tamika. I might see if I can do a three-way with her and Jarrell because I know they both have been talking about it for so long. And the beauty of it is, my cousins were talking about All-American in a group chat. I know people on Facebook used to talk about it. I 
was so like blind to the show, maybe because I wasn't watching it. I didn't pay attention to anything anybody said. So I didn't have any spoilers. If nothing was ruined, I was able to watch and enjoy. So I plan on breaking down All American. I might devote a whole episode to it. We'll see. If I have enough for a whole episode, we'll do it. If not, I have plenty of topics. But look out for that later on this week because there's a lot to talk about with that show, man. That matter of fact, I'm not even going to say nothing else about it. We'll wait till we break it down. If you haven't watched it, I sub- I recommend you go to Netflix and check out All American. Um, it's two seasons right now, so you're not going to catch up by, well, you might be able to catch up. If you don't catch up by the time I get on and review it or talk about it, just don't look, don't listen to the next episode until you've watched All American. And if you've watched it, definitely listen to the next episode because there's a lot, bro, a lot to talk about. But like I said, I was going to keep this one short tonight. Just wanted to talk about uh, Ahmaud Arbery. Rest in peace. Uh, I hope I was able to explain the case to, to you guys. Most of you already know it by now, but for those who don't, uh, do your own research. Read articles. I've been reading pretty much everything that comes out about it, trying to just stay up to date. Um, when I'm home, like I said, I listen to I listen to conservative radio, conservative talk radio when I'm home. And when I'm when I'm like out or when I used to stay in hotels or at my mom's house, I'll watch a lot of CNN. Maybe even MSNBC sometimes, but I try to I try to get both sides. I like to know what what the conservatives are going to say, because I'm I'm more liberal in these cases. So I need to know what their argument is uh, so I can refute things and so I can know what I'm going against. It's just good to have no, knowledge of both sides. So I would encourage everybody to read up on the um, Ahmad Arbery case. Uh, form your own decisions, form your own beliefs. It's pretty clear right now with the evidence that's out there. Uh, more will probably come out, but in the meantime, just read up on it and you can form your own opinion on what you think happened. And if more evidence comes out, we can discuss it and maybe your opinion might change one way or the other. Uh, I wouldn't recommend watching the video cause I didn't. And I don't think that's something we need to see. I think you can read the case and come to a good understanding of what happened without watching the video. Uh, and the, the video of him in the house, uh, that's a safe one to watch. I'll say you could watch that. But the video of the altercation, I wouldn't recommend watching it. I don't need to see stuff like that. Uh, you can listen to enough people talk about it, or you can read for yourself. But you'll pretty much know or have an idea of what happened just from doing your own little bit of research. Um, like I said, I started to show off with Goody Mob um, the day after, which to me is a beautiful song just talking about you know, the day after when you, when you die, where you're going, going to heaven and senseless violence that causes that stuff. So I'm going to leave with another, another good song. This one is a uh, Tamala man. Take me to the King. I know you guys, a lot of y'all know this song. This is, in my opinion, this is the best gospel song of all time. And it's Tamala man featuring Kirk Franklin. Although I don't know why Kirk Franklin is featured on this. Cause all he says is, come on. Really, it's a whole song. He just, come on. I don't know if he does anything else on this song. So I'm going to play it for you. Tamla Man featuring Kurt Franklin. Maybe he made the beat. But then again, I don't know if you need to be called featured just for making the beat. But y'all listen out for the come on. And rest in peace, Ahmad Arbery. Rest in peace, Sean Reed. Um, man, we lost some other people this weekend, too, in the, in the music world. Rest in peace, Andre Harrell. Rest in peace, Betty Wright. And, uh. 
rest in peace, Little Richard, man. So I want to dedicate this song going out to all of them. I want to dedicate this episode of Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence to Ahmaud Arbery. Hopefully we get justice for you. And y'all check me out later on this week for the All-American Breakdown. All right. This has been Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My heart's torn in pieces. It's my offering. Take me to the king. Truth is I'm tired. Options are few. I'm trying to pray. But where are you? I'm all churched out, hurt and abused. I can't fake what's left to do. Come on. Truth is, I'm weak, no strength to fight, no tears to cry. Even if I tried, but still my soul refuses to die. Mm -hmm. One touch will change my life. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My heart's torn.
My heart's torn to pieces. It's my offering. Come back real quick. Uh, let me correct myself. All right. I was wrong. Kirk Franklin said a few more words than come on. He said glory and a few more other things. So I apologize, Kirk. I, I apologize to Kirk Franklin and God's property and whoever else. Uh, there were more words said. So disregard what I said at the end of this episode. This is Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence, man. I will see you guys later. <laughs>